good evening to each one, and greetings in Jesus' name. It's good to be together in the house of the Lord this evening to worship with you. For the message this evening, first of all, coming into a new year, I also thought about the new year. The Lord brought us through 2019, now we're in 2020. And often people make New Year's resolutions with a new year. So as I reflected back over my life, things that I want to improve, desire to improve, work on in 2020. I've titled the message this evening, 2020 Vision. What is your vision for this year? What is your focus? Studies show that about 60% of us make New Year's resolutions each year. Sadly, only about 8% of us achieve them. Do you have a vision for your life in 2020? In the 1970s, our conference was formed by brethren who wanted to work together to preserve the Anabaptist vision of living out the New Testament in practical, everyday life. So I ask you, are you an active part in keeping that vision alive in 2020? Do your goals bring you closer to Christ? Do your goals for 2020 focus on yourself and what you look like to others? I thought about how, how our lives are like a race that we are running. The Apostle Paul gives us a metaphor. The Christian life being as a race that we are running. So that's what I want to look at here this evening. If you would, turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 24 to 27, this time. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the master is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So our lives is, is like a race we're running. For some, it's a rat race, but it doesn't have to be that way. Here, as I said before, Apostle Paul gives us a metaphor, the Christian life as a race. And we are runners in that race. The Christian life is a race. That means it demands great effort. It's not a sprint. It's not a dash. It's not a morning jog. It's a marathon. The Christian life is a race. 
To compete in this race, you must have experienced the new birth. The entrance to the race is the new birth. Salvation by faith in the perfect and complete work of Christ. Apart from faith in Christ, you're not even in the race. You're on the sideline. I'm going to look at some verses in 1 Corinthians. Now we're there. Verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. In this passage, Paul is talking about rewards, not about salvation. This message is for believers, people who have put their faith in Christ for the forgiveness of sins. If that is you, you're eligible for rewards. The Bible talks a lot about rewards. Not everyone will get a reward. The reward is only good is only for the good and faithful servant. The reward is not for those who take early re- retirement in the race. The reward is only for those who cross the finish line. Earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul talks about those who build on the foundation of Christ. He talked about how you can use different kinds of material to build with, some which are perishable and some which are imperishable. Let's look at that this time. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 11 to 14. Verse 11, No other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw... Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on, it endures, he will receive a reward. My prayer is that we all will receive the reward someday, but it doesn't happen automatically. There is work involved. All right, I'm back in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Here Paul is contrasting the Grecian games with his practice of self-denial and self-discipline for the sake of the gospel. Some of these games were played on the Isthmus near Corinth. Some of the games were running, boxing, wrestling, leaping, throwing the quoits, and spear are some of the games that they would have played. Verse 25, the prize was a crown or a garland or a wreath of olive, bay, pine, or parsley is what their crown was. So the people there were very familiar with what Paul was talking about. He is saying there is only one person who wins in each event. It was the Olympics of their day. Paul is contrasting here that in Christ, there are going to be a lot of winners. There will be a lot of people who receive a reward 
So run in such a way that you may obtain it. Rewards are going to be given are going to be given out, but you and I still have to run. We have to be in the race. We have to run the race. We have to be in the race to get a reward. The reward is at the end of the race. And the reward is only for those who complete the course. Some in the political field today think that they can win the prize or receive the reward without playing fair. They want the prize without running at all. They want it their way, and that is all that matters. With no regard to the consequences that having it their way will bring. We must finish the race to receive the reward. We must remain faithful to Christ and his word to be able to hear those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. The reward that the faithful will receive when they stand before the Lord, we all desire to hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. In Matthew 25, we have the parable of the talents. Verse 21 says, His his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Now let's look at the next three verses. I'm back in chapter 9. Verses 25 to 27 where Apostle Paul is exhorting you and I on how we should run. And everyone who competes for the prize is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. These that were competing in in these games, they do it to receive a perishable crown. The prize was a wreath of flowers and leaves worn around their head. They were doing it for something perishable, something that won't last. Something that will dry out and fall apart. Those who contended in these exercises put in a lot of time and painful exercise to train their bodies for these events. They exercised discipline and self-control. And they did it to get this wreath on their head that will perish in a short time. The Olympics today do it for gold, silver, and bronze medals, which isn't much better. But we do it for an imperishable crown, something that will last, an imperishable reward. Paul says everyone who competes is temperate in all things. We see here the competitor practices self-control. That means as athletes, there are things in life that aren't going to be pleasant in the preparation for the competition they are involved in. I have a quote here, paragraph I want to read. It comes out of the Forbes magazine. It's top ten list for New Year's resolutions for business leaders in 2020. I want to draw your attention to number six on this list. is visualize your goal. And I quote... At the start of each year, leaders traditionally establish goals 
notes Patricia Payton. Clear focus is the first step to achieving them. If you imagine clearly what you want to achieve, picture it and experience the feelings of pleasure and reward associated with that achievement for yourself and others, you're more likely to achieve it. Peyton believes that the act of visualizing goals is highly motivational. It increases determination because we're drawn to that future reward, she says. Visualization not only helps to ensure success, it helps to create pace and it takes our mind off the discomfort, difficulty, or pain associated with working toward the goal. End quote. Number one on that list caught my attention as well. It's taking control of the device that is stealing your time. You see, an athlete that is going to perform well will be disciplined. They will be concerned about nutrition, what they put into their bodies. They will be concerned about getting enough rest. They will be concerned about training. And they have to be dedicated in their training. They have to exercise self-control in order to be faithful to the goal of competition that they want to win. They want to reach that goal. Being faithful is our goal too. We are not being faithful to a competition. Our goal is to be faithful to the Lord. We are to be faithful to God. That is our goal. 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 and 2. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. We are stewards of the gift that God has given us or entrusted to us. A steward is someone who uses the resources that belongs to someone else. It also means to manage or look after property that belongs to someone else. It is required of all stewards to be faithful. Faithfulness is the key. We have an example in Luke 19. Luke 19, verse 12 through 19. It says, Therefore he said, this is Jesus speaking, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minutes, and said to them, Do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded excuse me, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Master, your minna has earned ten minas. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in very little have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Master, your minna has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, You also be over five cities. So again, faithfulness. This is one of the many examples in Scripture that faithfulness is the key. 
It's not about how much that you produce. It's about faithfulness. Faithfulness is the major issue. God is looking for faithfulness out of you and I. Faithfulness is what God is looking for from us. Paul expresses faithfulness in Philippians 3, verses 12 to 14. He says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind us. Forget those things in the past. Put the past behind you. Unless it's unrepented, unless it's sin that is unrepented of, repent of it and move on. If you dwell on the past, it will slow you down. We need to get rid of the weight of the past and run. Reach forward to what lies ahead. Strain for what is ahead. Pressing on toward the goal. Straining for the goal. It sounds like a lot of work. And it is a lot of work. The work is staying faithful. It's staying on course. Keep at the task. Persevere. Press on and keep at it. song we sometimes sing, Home of the Soul, verse 1, If the prize we have striven after our labors are o'er, rest to our souls will be given on the eternal shore. Home of the soul, beautiful home, there we shall rest, never to roam. Free from all care, happy and bright, Jesus is there, he is the light. Oft in the storm, lonely are we, sighing for home, longing for thee. Beautiful home of the ransom beside the crystal sea. Verse 3 says, Soon the bright homeland adorning, adoring, we shall behold the glad dawn. Lean on the Lord till the morning, trust till the night is gone. Home of the soul, beautiful home, there we shall rest, never to roam. Free from all care, happy and bright, Jesus is there, he is the light. Oft in the storm, lonely are we, sighing for home, longing for thee. Beautiful home of the ransom beside the crystal sea. Verse 14 here in the NIV says, Press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So what does it take to stay faithful in 2020? Let's look at verse 27, chapter 9. 
But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Paul speaks of discipline here. He says, but I discipline my body, and he disciplines it to keep it under control. In the Greek, the phrase keep it under control means to lead around as a slave. Either you will be a slave to your body or your body will be a slave to you. The question is, who will we serve? Or who will serve who? Will you serve your body or will your body serve you? When our bodies are in charge, we become slaves of our fleshly passions and we lose the ability to walk in faithfulness to God. Paul says, I discipline my body so it may serve me. The Apostle Paul considers his body as an enemy with which he must contend. He must mortify it by self-denial, abstinence, and severe labor. It must be the slave of his soul and not the soul, the slave of the body, which is the case in all unregenerate men. Backing up to verse 26, Paul describes the life of someone who is ruled by his body. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. Paul is talking about someone who is ruled by their flesh. The word we translate uncertainly has other meanings also. It also means ignorantly. Paul knew the purpose of his running. He says, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. He was running with purpose. He says, I run to accomplish the goal that is before me. He knew he was running the great race of eternal life. After the contest, the victors were examined by the judges. This is back to the games they're playing. They were found to have contended unlawfully or unfairly, were deprived of the prize, and were rejected with disgrace. Paul says in Romans 8.13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. I have to deal with the flesh daily. We have to say no to the flesh daily if we want to have victory. That's why Paul says, I bring my body into subjection. I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Now I'd like to look at a few verses in Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 1 and 2. Verse 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. 
We are surrounded by the saints of the past in a unique way. It's not that the faithful who have gone before us are spectators to the race we run. Rather, it is figurative. It's a figurative representation and means that we ought to act as if they were in sight and cheering us on to the same victory in the life of faith that they have obtained. We're to be inspired by the God examples these saints set during their lives. These are those whose past lives of faith encourage others to live that way too. That the cloud is referred to as great indicates that many believers have gone before us, each bearing witness to the life of faith we now live. Paul speaks about laying aside every weight. As those who ran in the Olympic races would throw aside everything that might impede them in their course, so Christians professing to go to heaven must throw aside everything that might hinder them in their Christian race. Whatever weighs down our hearts or affections to earth and sense is to be carefully avoided. For no man with the love of the world in his heart can ever reach the kingdom of heaven. Verse 2 goes on to say, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I am thankful that Jesus endured the cross for you and me. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and me. John 3.16, a familiar verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Another verse, Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. First Timothy 6, 12. says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Philippians 2.16 This is Paul. says he's been faithful and he wants the Philippians to be faithful, to shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. So in the day of Christ I have reason to glory because I didn't labor or run in vain. You see, Paul couldn't comprehend an aimless race or running with no purpose in view. Philippians 2.12 Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 
For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. So what is the prize for the faithful in Christ? It's the crown of life. Jesus gives the crown of life to those who persevere in faith through temptation, tribulation, and persecution. I don't know what I'll face in 2020 or what we will face, but we're called to be faithful. Another song we sometimes sing says, And when the battle's over, we shall wear a crown. Yes, we shall wear a crown. And when the battle's over, we shall wear a crown in the new Jerusalem. Two verses in closing, speaking to the crown of life. James 1.12 Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved... He will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Another one we have in Revelations 2, verse 10. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. And you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. So I ask you, what is your vision for 2020? We are called to faithfulness in Christ. May the Lord bless you.